The year is 1992. I'm Zach. I'm Charlotte. And this is My Marvelous Year. Hello and welcome to My Marvelous Year, the comic book reading club where we're going through the best of Marvel comics from its origins to today. I'm Zach, the comic book journeyman, and I am joined today by a very special guest, the only special guest we've had who would who has the sheer uh, self-confidence to gain one of the Infinity Stones, the Time Stone, and hide it you know where. It's Charlotte. <laughs> hey Charlotte. Hi. Welcome to the show. Good to be back. Um, yeah, it's true. Uh, I did hit it uh, between my big toe and my second little toe, um, which uh, where no one will dare to, for, to search for it. Your second little toe? What is that? <laughs> Listen, uh, I don't know. I, I don't even know how to say it in French, so I wouldn't know how to say it in English. Yeah, I mean, I guess I just use the same, like, same as your fingers. Like the toe, it would be like yeah, your I thumb guess. is your big toe and then everything else like your pointer middle. <laughs> your ring toe <laughs> and your your piggy little piggy um <laughs> anyway did you think that pip was like I, I mean i didn't think he was hiding it up his butt like i didn't get but that was where, the implication where but else it definitely would he was, have yeah it's definitely like in his loincloth i kind of just thought he was like bedecking out his little pip you know like, but but bedazzling <laughs> to me himself. the implication that was that uh, it was in in his uh, special place okay well that's <laughs> which it was <laughs> which is between his uh, his third big his his big toe and his uh, his third little toe. Toe number um, one and toe number two. So Charlotte is, uh, if you've listened to 1991's third variant cover, you'll already recognize her voice. Uh, and she is a yeah. writer for, um, she's written a couple things for Comic Book Herald, uh, some reading orders. She's been on a couple special Patreon episodes that are available to the public. If you go to patreon.com slash mymarvelousyear, we have a bunch yeah. of the... Um, bonus listener episodes from people donating money to a charity last month or a couple months ago at this point. Those are on Patreon, but they are available to the public. But also on Patreon, uh, for $3 a month, you can get access to a ton of different bonus episodes. So Dave and I think for every MCU product that has come out since we started the show, I think Spider-Man Far From Home was the first one, um, and uh, or Homecoming. Uh, since did then, you, we've, we've done a You did one for Endgame, I think? Oh, yeah, definitely by Endgame. Yeah. We did one for Captain Marvel, and then, yeah, yeah Spider-Man, Far From... Yeah, no, I guess it was... And Captain Marvel was the first one, and I guess... Anyway. Yeah, Captain Marvel came out first, then Game, then Far From Home. All those MCU movies, we've got the all the new MCU shows, the Disney Plus MCU shows. We do bonus episodes on, like, bad comics. I, I don't talk about those too much, but all those are really fun, and uh, sitting there on the Patreon, yeah. as well as the $5 gets you access to the Slack, which is a great little community. Tons of really nice people, so... If you want to support the show, head on over there. Uh, also, reviews on Apple Podcasts are very appreciated. Thank you. Um, Charlotte, where can people find your work? Um, they can find me on Twitter, at Fierro Charlotte, and, uh, and come on the Slack, too. Oh, yeah, Charlotte's in there. And then, you know, if you want to see her, like, reading orders, they're all over on Comic Book Herald. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is, the, this is part three of 1992. 
and we are returning to Jim Starlin. Um, he, in 1991, we got the uh, the Infinity Gauntlet saga. We got a bunch of Silver Surfer. He has moved on from Silver Surfer. He is starting a new series called Warlock in the Infinity Watch, which is spinning right out of Infinity Gauntlet and launching right into another huge company-wide event in Infinity War, which will then be followed up by a third event in 1993 called Infinity Crusades. So you get like a trilogy Crusade, yeah. of Infinity events. Let's start with Borlock in Infinity Watch. Um, I, first, I have to point out, this was added by Patreon, so uh, that's actually another benefit on Patreon. You can go and uh, add comics on, I think at the $15 a month level. Our backer, Johannes, a good personal friend of both mine and Charlotte's, um, added these comics, and man, Johannes, like, maybe even one-upped up, one himself from 1992 when he added the Squirrel Girl issue, because <laughs> these are so good, Great. and to me, like, kind of a, a huge important comic to like be aware of at least if not you know that we're gonna read i don't think that much more like i'm gonna read a bunch more of this this is really good this is this is like starlin just working at the exact level at which i i want him at so this is continuing on warlock now has the infinity gauntlet and what's going to happen there um the the it, it's also it's uh it's drawn by um let me see. Oh, I just had this pulled up. A- Angel or A- Angel Medina? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm assuming Angel, yeah. but um, who's the the artist here? And uh, really excellent art. Like s- maybe even I like it more than Ron Lim's. It's kind of kind of wildly Ooh. good. Yeah, I I don't know. It's very close. Race. Like how do, how does uh like Starlin just keep getting artists who match his style so well and like yeah. are also dialed in? Like n- no weak artists here. Anyway, the, the conceit of the show. Or this show, this uh, this comic is that Warlock has the stones. Issue one, he uh, the he's on trial with the stones. He's forced to give them away, and the stones are handed out to a bunch of people who are now the Infinity Watch. So that that is the concept for this comic that is set up in these two two issues. And before we get into the details, I just want to ask you, Charlotte, like, do you think this is an interesting idea? Being like, there's six Infinity Stones. He hands them to six people, and now we have a team of you know like super powered cosmic people. Uh, you know, like running around being superheroes. Uh, is is that like in and of itself? You know, is that an interesting idea to you? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting idea, and I think it's a it's a very good choice to to be the the comic that's gonna be the through line from uh, all of his uh, Infinity events. Because the the lead up to the first uh, Infinity Gauntlet was in Silver Surfer and Thanos Quest. Was mm-hmm. it the, yeah, Thanos yep. Quest. Yep, yep. And that's his run on Silver Surfer, I think, uh, ends around uh, Infinity Gauntlet. And then yeah. he's the, th- the narrative through line of his part of the cosmic universe um, between events is going to be a Warlock and the Infinity Watch. And I think that's a, that's a great job. First, because Warlock is at the, center, as, at the center and the main character of, I think, all three events. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, maybe um, maybe Thanos for the first one, but he's definitely like the other yeah. main character. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it, it is. And it's weird how Starlin, more or less, it, like it kind of feels in my mind that Starlin has one story he's telling, on and on, but like he has to tell it through. Like, all right, here's two issues of Iron Man, and then I'm hopping over to like Captain Marvel for a while, and then I'm switching to taking over Warlock for a little bit, like back in the '70s, and then. It's like, well, yeah. now I'm doing Silver Surfer, and then Infinity Gauntlet, and then the Infinity Watch, and then back to this other event. Like, it, it's really interesting that, like, pub, like publication-wise, that 
he doesn't just have like a series that he can just stick with that he keeps doing. I guess Infinity Watch is kind of that. But I it's think run for I think the difference between what that that was mostly true in the seventies, but I think mm-hmm. in when he comes back uh, in the early nineties, he. Because it is mo- the infi- yeah there's there are three events but they're closely linked la- they're sequels mm. of each other so yeah you could almost say that's one big series and then you have Warlock as the tie-in so I guess the most different or like it would be Silver Surfer but uh, even then I think he he pushes Silver Surfer's aside sometimes to yeah. be like here's my my Warlock issue and like Silver Surfer's in two pages and the rest of it is warlock yeah and i i guess it's also mostly uh almost halfway through being a, a thanos comics uh called totally. Silver Surfer. <laughs> yeah uh, but, which, which um, i love like I, I think that's totally fine like but i, I think it, it makes more sense than with uh, like how weird is it than thanos first appeared in iron man <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean that, that seems su- strange but that also just yeah. like who knows what the origin of that was he got you know he had to fill in for a couple s- spots and he was just like well i'm gonna hit the ground running and start introducing some weird stuff that I want to introduce. Yeah. And then they were like, Oh, take over this other series where you're, you know, what you're interested in will, uh, will fit a little better. But, right? but I like, think where I see the difference is that to me in, when he comes back in the nineties, he's choosing himself in what's, uh, where he's going to do what. Like, I mm-hmm. think, I don't think, well, I don't think like Warlock and Infinity Watch was something that was planned by Marvel. And then they put Stalin on it. I think it's, it came from Stalin wanted to do something with those characters. That makes sense. And I'd be really curious to find out whether or not all these events are purely his brainchild or if this was slightly pushed by an editorial decision. Because I think, and I said this about Infinity Gauntlet, and I, I don't know if this is necessarily a hot take, everything he does outside of the events, the events, I like way more than the actual events themselves. As much as yeah. I like enjoy the events, I think they're fine. I, I think they don't play to his strengths. Um, and, and we can get into this when we talk about Infinity War. But like, Infinity Watch thing is so dialed into everything that I think is incredibly strong and unique about him. And then he gets into Infinity Watch, the event, and I, I think he loses a little bit of... Infinity War? Uh, oh, yeah, sorry, Infinity War. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, Infinity War and, like, Infinity Gauntlet, moving from Silver Surfer to Infinity yeah. Gauntlet. He loses a little bit of what, like, makes him so special, which is really, like, long-form storytelling that takes its time, builds yeah. the stakes, builds the pressure works at its own pace, does individual issues that are each their own little story that also is part of a larger story. Like, he does really, like, serial storytelling, but also, like, um, not, like, total bottle episode things, but, like, this is the episode where Silver Surfer is hanging out with the Impossible Man on the Moon yeah. and getting a pep talk. And it, like, it plays into the larger themes and story that's happening, right? And, like, Silver Surfer's character, but it also, like, it's not a big plot-heavy issue, you know? Yeah, and weirdly for how how big the scope of his stories are, even in his uh, Silver Surfer or Warlock runs, um, it's really focused on a smaller cast of characters, usually. Whereas here you have like five different factions of ten characters, in uh, especially in Infinity War, which gets, I think there was like one or two too many factions of, uh, of characters in, in that event. That, that's exactly uh, I what I was spe- Specifically, thinking, like, Doom and Kang yeah. uh, didn't need to have their own storyline. Okay, well, <laughs> we can get into, like, talk about the, okay. the messiness of Infinity War for sure. But I, I think you're, like, spot on. That's, that is exactly right, because it's, like, I, I think something that's magical about his work to me, like, genuinely, like, I, I think that makes this work so <coughs> special, is that he balances the incredibly huge stakes 
and the big conceptual cerebral heady ideas of these like cosmic beings who are the personification of these like existential truths yeah while the stories are all very personal and they're very grounded right like it, they, they do not lose sight of the people at the core of it and usually like the the small scale personal dramas of thanos and silver surfer and adam warlock right like they are yeah. always at the center like you said and and it doesn't lose track of that for like the big epic story that's tell even while he is doing those big epic stories and when he moves into event mode he's playing with such a huge universe that i feel like his slip on the characters does you know loosen a little bit and i i I care a lot less about, like, most of the characters. And, and you know, like, you almost yeah. get the feeling he does, too. Like, does he care about Captain America in Yeah, I don't, and I don't know how much of that is um, him needing to give, um, I guess, introduction points to the tie-in uh, mm -hmm. issues in other series. Like, he needs to set up the Quasa, Qu Qu Quasar, I guess, yeah, Quasar uh, issue where he has the ultimate nullifier. He needs to set up the Doctor Strange issues where he goes on adventures with Silver Surfer and Galactus. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know how much of that is his ideas of the story um, resulting in Titan issues or the Titan issues coming first and him having to include it in his uh, in his events. Totally. And, you know, I mean, that that's always, it's always part and parcel of reading a big crossover event is you're going to get these yeah. little, like... <laughs> Hey, from to find out what's going on here, go read Sleepwalker eighteen. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> what the hell Sleepwalker. is Sleepwalker, and why did it get eighteen issues? That's insane. Like, yeah, <laughs> it, 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 a series that apparently got more than six issues. <laughs> uh, that's just wild to me. It ran for three years until 1994. Don't yeah. have no idea what that guy is. Anyway, like it, uh, you know, th those little asides. Big idea. <laughs> Do you okay? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this guy. He, uh, I think he's he, like a guy that when he falls asleep, his body is taken over by a. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's weird. And weird. I, okay, yeah, he has yeah. To do with dreams and sleep, but which is why I think there's something that happens in his series where all of the earth falls asleep or in some. Yeah, kind of I, I mean that that that's what was what was happening. It was just a man floating through Manhattan, looking at everyone well, asleep, and it was like, if you want to find out what happened. Read Sleepwalker. Which has nothing to do with Infinity War. Here's a, here's a weird side story or uh, side note about Sleepwalker. Yeah. He is named after his race, so Sleepwalker <laughs> is both his name and his race. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like I, I don't I don't really mind the um, the little asides that are like, hey, you know, like this is clearly leading into a larger thing, or like, hey, you know, we'll fill in the gaps of there was a fight that happened off panel, and if you want to go read it, go read Captain America. It's like. You know, most of the time it's like, well, you don't really need those. And it's, you know, it's kind of fun if you're reading all of them to see those little winks, I guess. Yeah. It's it's just that, like, Captain America and the Avengers are a big part of this. X-Men are a big part of this event. They're here a lot. Right? It's not just little winks to, like, what they're up to at the same time. They're around a lot. You just also, like, I never got the feeling that, like, this is what he wants to talk about. He still just wants to talk about Warlock and Thanos and the Magus. Right, like yeah, the and three of them. they're here, but they mostly react to stuff that's happening. Like they don't do much, do much in the story between, uh, except being like mostly cannon fodder for for Thanos and uh, and Magus's uh, armies. Yeah, totally. Okay, so let, let, let's talk about in Infinity Watch and like uh, yeah. just kind of brush over oh, that yeah. first. Um, so Ad uh, first issue is incredible. Adam Warlock is under trial <laughs> for like the uh, Infinity the the personification of infinity is like bringing him to trial in front of the living tribunal Eternity. and being like 
Is it what? Because that's an important difference. It's an important difference that it's uh, eternity. That's uh, you're right. It's eternity because infinity trial. is a different character. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, God, it's so good to also still have a comic book expert on the podcast. <laughs> it, it's just a disaster when like I have a guest on who's also like just as medium knowledgeable as I am, and then we both just end up like <laughs> both just end up <laughs> lying, and no one corrects us, so that people listening are just screaming and like pounding their steering wheel, being like, "No, it's the swordsman, not Wonder Man." Right? Like <laughs> anyway. So yeah, thank you. Um, he uh, yeah, the Living Tribunal basically rules that Adam Warlock is not responsible enough to hold on to the Infinity Gauntlet because, yeah. like, and the Living Tribunal apparently is more powerful than the uh, Infinity Gems put together. And it's because and of the Magus, right? Like, the, what is it? Stalin kind of uh, builds a, um, a pyramid, I guess, of, uh, of how powerful each character is, and at the top of that pyramid is the Living Tribunal. And just with right, him, you have characters like Eternity, Infinity... It's interesting because it's it's interesting because the idea like is that the living tribunal maybe isn't that powerful of their own like yeah for for their own motivations and their own out- outcomes right like if, if the living tribunal like was like I want to take over the universe like they probably don't have that power but of the power to stand over other beings in perfect judgment right yeah like that that's where their power yeah. comes from which is and an they, idea. there's also hints of them ob- ob- obeying to a higher power of some sort. Yeah, I exactly. Yeah, or yeah. or th- that their power comes from a higher higher authority. Uh, God, some, someday like we're going to find out who that high authority is, and it's like somehow going to be Rick Jones, and my head is going to explode. <laughs> it's going to be like... That or Howard the Duck. That, that, <laughs> the, the, like, the, the one page will just be like, who is it? Who could the Living Tribunal report to? And then the next page will just be like Rick Jones being like, standing in his living room being like, is someone talking about me? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not exactly that, but there was uh, in a recent event where they fused uh, different uh, Marvel characters together. Eternity mm-hmm. was also uh, Flatbushman, I think, which is the <laughs> character yeah. from the old... Um, w- uh, no, it's not what the... It's, um, uh, oh, I know exactly. It Just a second. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's the uh, old comedy comics. It is called. It's called What the, and it's like it's a parody version but of What If. Wasn't it a, a different like? Because What the is the eighties version of that, but there wasn't a different one. And I think Flatbushman comes from a sixties. Oh, not version not Brand Ech. Yeah, not but not Brand Ech. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Which is <laughs> yeah, Forbushman or yeah. Yeah, I have no. I don't. I never understood that joke. I feel like I've just always missed the context for that joke. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So like, um, Living Tribunal basically he he. Allow, or they allows a warlock to decide how to give up the glove, right? Like, it doesn't just strip it away from him, but he has the ability to do it himself because the Living Tribunal's like, if I tried to take it from you, you would fight and then we would destroy everything. And since Warlock is more or less god right now, he knows that that's true and he knows how it will play out and he, like, has already seen all this play out. So he does something I think is so interesting, which is, I was like, oh, well, who's he going to give it to? Like, who will he give the Infinity Gauntlet to? That's clearly, like, this series is going to, you know, we, we have to deal with the fact that he's a god now because we can't have a whole series about him being a god. That, that wouldn't be interesting. He'd be too powerful. So he's he's just going to hand it off to, you know, I don't know, Epoch or something. And, you know, some other cosmic being is going to float away with it and then we'll move on. But no, yeah. he distributes the stones to a little ragtag team of weirdos and now has a new team called Infinity Watch with everyone having these stones. I think that's so much fun. And the people he gives it to are really fun. Um, yeah. Drax the Destroyer gets the power gem. 
Gamora gets the time gem. Moon Dragon gets the mind gem, and like I'm here for Moon Dragon. <laughs> Everyone knows. Uh, Pip the troll gets the space gem, which is very fun and very funny. Uh, Adam keeps the soul gem himself, and then he gives the reality gem to basically uh, he gives it to somebody else secretly and doesn't tell the rest of the Infinity Watch who has it, which I like, and I like that the way this plays out. And I guess eventually we find out in this event that he gave it to Thanos. Yeah, because he's totally convinced that Thanos is now a stalwart believer in the idea that the gems should not come back together again. That like, you know, as Dave would say, no one man should hold all that power because he's obsessed with that album. Um, yeah. So like, it's yeah, a, a great idea and like really fun to be like, th- like Moondragon and Gamora are pretty smart more or less. Although Moondragon's like a little evil, right? Like Gamora's the only like smart and kind person here. Pip's, yeah. you know, Pip's Pip. Uh, he's he's a little like chain smoking, skeevy Bronx guy. Uh, and then is, Drax... It's interesting, like the way Adam explains why he gave it to Pip is that he, Pip has the low enough intelligence and um, no uh, greed whatsoever. Yeah, no, uh, no greed, big ambitions. But, uh, right. Yeah, no ambitions. That he he is strong enough to use it to keep mm-hmm. it from other people's hands. But he's not gonna use it for uh, for evil. So that's I think it's I really like the reasons why um, Adam gives it to everyone, and we don't exactly find out why he gives it to like Moon Dragon. It's not specifically explained, and she, and and but that's interesting because then she's confused herself. Be why why would he trust her with uh, with that? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm very curious in finding out more. I like that also. Like he gives Pip the uh, the space gem because he knows Pip won't like fight to keep it he'll use the space gem to just run away like he's a coward yeah and he's he's not a fighter so like the space gem will be safe with him because he'll just continually like run away from people trying to get it um and also the same with drax where it's like drax is too dumb to use it like for anything like too powerful like he he's not smart enough to tap into it into a way to like you know crack a planet in half right like he, yeah he and have the, <laughs> the art was uh i think really funny when uh drax just sees the the gem and says oh a jelly bean and just swallows it <laughs> and then adam yeah. explains that uh, apparently drax's biology makes it so that the gem is gonna stay inside him so i guess it's yeah, it's... that drax doesn't shit. <laughs> exactly yeah it's very <laughs> it's very strange like he goes into detail to explain because they're all just like oh well he'll digest it and he's like no drax won't digest it and they're like oh well he'll lose it you know and he's like no he won't lose his biology. And it's like, it's like yeah, a couple panels like, explaining this. Yeah. Like yeah. So I, I love this. I'm fascinated by this. I'm really excited to read more. And I'm very thankful that Johannes put these on the list. Um, yeah. Thank you, Johannes. Not least of all, because I, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for this. And over the 42 issues, we get several different iterations of the team. And I won't spoil oh, yeah. anything. Some of these iterations of the team are pretty wild. Some of the like guardians of these gems who get the gems at some point are pretty wild. Um, and I'm I'm very excited to. Uh, I to know see how some this like from very recent events, like from Infinity Wars or Warp, uh, like uh, 2017 maybe events, mm-hmm. where there's some weird choices <laughs> for characters. Yeah, yeah, there's there's um, some stuff here. So. Also, something I mean, uh, we can talk about later. But um, e- what's interesting is that the characters chosen and the way the team functions of the Infinity Watch—it's a lot closer to the um, MCU and like a modern version of the Guardians of mm. the Galaxy than the mm-hmm. actual Guardians of the Galaxy were at that time in comics. 
Like you ha- totally. First of all, you yeah. have Gamora and Drax, and then also the um, dysfunctional. Uh, n- no one quite really like each other. Um, at f- at least at first. Like they're um, not totally and... adversarial, but they're also just kind yeah. of like tolerating each other. You know, like because Moon Dragon a... killed Drax a while ago, and he's her dad. Right. Exactly. Yes. And then <laughs> you know, it, when Thanos comes in and Thanos is around, like. He's Gamora's dad, but also like there, there's a you know obviously a tension there because <laughs> yeah. of uh, how he treated her, but now how he's portrayed. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's interesting because I, I looked up after this. I was like, so where are the other members of the Guardians of the Galaxy? Star Lord, like we we read an old Star War Star Lord from the seventies. This like black and white story. Yeah, he's been like maybe it. one one shot uh, or something. Th- there's like two uh, or three and... appearances in like those yeah. black and white magazines back in the seventies, and then more or less he doesn't show up until like. It's like the late 2000s, maybe he had a graphic novel, I think. But yeah, yeah, like at least that's in, maybe it's yeah, maybe that's just non-Marvel. And then Rocket but. was in an issue of Incredible Hulk, and then got his own four-issue miniseries, and didn't show up anywhere else. I think. Yes, right. Yeah, he he show well, he shows up in some. Uh, there's there's something else he shows up for like two. Oh, he shows up in John Byrne She Incredible Hulk, no? This oh, this yeah, year, right? For two issues, and then more or less he's not around until the late 90s or the late 2000s when like the new Guardians of the Galaxy comes together. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is kind of interesting. And then Groot was just in the 50s uh, Stanley uh, monster comic. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know... Oh, and Mantis. Mantis has been around, but she's not Mantis here. has been around. Yeah. But uh, she was more an Avenger than a... Yeah, Guardian. yeah, yeah. That's, that's how we've seen her. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a really... That's an interesting point. Okay, so um, let's get into the main event. For the, yeah. the purposes of the club, I read the main event, and then I read... Marvel Comic Presents 108 through 111, which are like, it's like yeah. a backup story in these, you know, um, collection anthology magazines. And so it's like seven pages per issue. So it's more or less one issue. Yeah. Um, we, we can talk about this, however. Uh, th- there's a whole big reading order in Comic Book Herald. You can find, you know, read read whatever uh, <laughs> whatever you like. You know, there's, there's no um, set rule here. But like, yeah, I feel like I got a, a good picture of everything that was happening. I never felt like oh, man, I have to go read Alpha Flight and figure out, you know, as much as I'm interested in Alpha Flight. Like, yeah. I, I don't need to go read the Silver Sable and the Wild Pack spin-off <laughs> issues of this, and I don't need to go read, you know... It, it's kind of like, if you're already reading those series and you're into them, cool, and they'll be little, like, winks at this, but otherwise, like, there's there's no reason that you have to go... You mean you don't want to read the Cap Wolf issue that ties into Infinity War? I still haven't caught up on those. <laughs> Dave, Dave did that episode without me, and I have not, like caught oh. up on that uh, that series, um, which is a bummer, I have to. I read Infinite War, like, a while ago, uh, and read uh, most of the... Uh, uh, quite a bit of the ten issues with, uh, with that. I think mm-hmm. the most essential, essential ones, uh, apart from Infinity Watch, that's obviously uh, almost necessary reading, um, there's uh, Fantastic Four and Doctor Strange tie in pretty close, because mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Strange is uh, with Silver Surfer and Galactus. And I think there's like one issue of Qua- Quasar that uh, fits into the fifth issue, but apart from that, uh, most of them hardly tie into to the main. And event. like, but okay, well, here, here's, I guess, there's the framing. I wanna, I wanna talk about this with. Yeah. The general thrust of this: Thanos has lost the Infinity Gauntlet. Adam Warlock has split the stones up, but the Magus is back. Adam Warlock's like Shadow Self from the '70s, and he is amassing power. And eventually we find out trying to, like, reclaim the Infinity Gauntlet for himself. Yeah. It's very similar in arc to Infinity Gauntlet, right? Um, 
just in that, like, someone evil is trying to get the Infinity Gauntlet, and when they do, they're going to have ultimate godlike power. Like, it, it's it's kind of similar in its its story. Um, towards the end of this, th- there's all these different through lines through this. So we've got, like, Thanos with a small team of, like, the Infinity Watch trying to get it. Doctor Doom and Kang are trying to, like, sneak through the back door and steal the power for themselves. Yeah. The Avengers and the X-Men and Fantastic Four and Alpha Flight and X-Factor are all dealing with the fact that they have, like, doppelgangers on Earth. These cool, like, creepy Cthulhu, like, Lovecraftian-looking yeah. things. They have all these tentacles and teeth. It's kind of fun. Um, that's happening. The Earth is split in two. You know, like, there's two versions of Earth that got split, and one has, like, the creepy people on it, and they're trying to, like, merge them, something like an evil Yeah, but it version. also seems like the the Earth is split, uh, like... Uh, is doubled after the double gangers show up. So yeah, oh, uh, it is. Yeah, it's, it wasn't yeah, it's like clear. Sh- totally not clear. Before we go any further, time for an ad break. If you're listening to this podcast, you clearly love comics. You may even love deep, analytical takes on comics. So we think you might like Super Serious 616. Super Serious 616 is a podcast that explores what it would be like to live through the beginning of the modern Marvel age of comics. It is unlike any podcast that you have heard before. Mike and Ed talk about the public events from the early Silver Age of Marvel Comics as if those events were actually happening. As superpowered heroes and villains, gods, and monsters become everyday occurrences, Mike and Ed talk about the ramifications of the changes thrust upon the world. Would the Fantastic Four be welcomed as costumed do-gooders, or would their motives be questioned? Will there be superpowered Cold War with Russia? Will the appearance of Thor in the emergence of gods from ancient myths lead people to re-examine their own religious beliefs? Is Iron Man a good use of Stark Core shareholder capital? If Reed Richards had developed podcast technology in the 1960s Marvel Universe, this would be the show everyone would be listening to. So join Mike and Ed every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Super Serious 616 as they chart the evolution of the Marvel Universe from the ground up as it happens. Alright, back to the show. Um, there's those. Galactus is off on his own little quest with Gamora yeah, and Doctor Strange. So first, Galactus shows up with Doctor Strange, Silver Surfer, and Nova, which is his uh, his herald. And then he goes on a quest uh, with Gamora mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to to uh, cancel the the Living Tribunal's judgment that uh, mm-hmm. they made prior to that in in Infinity Watch. In order to do that, they like Eternity has been made catatonic, so they have to get Eternity's approval to do it. anyway. Yeah. The point is, and then you have. I think. Oh, sorry. There, there's, all, there's all these threads running through it, right? There's a. This is only six issues, but they're double size, so it's more or less like a twelve issue arc. You could, you know, at least in length, right? You could view this as twelve issues. One of the wildest moments I've ever seen in a comic is towards the end of this. It's like issue five, I think, when Ma- yeah. Magus's plan all comes together, and like it's mostly that like he needs Galactus to go. He needs Adam Warlock so. Uh, despondent and so like at his wits end that he's going to reunify the Infinity Stones and then yeah. he needs Galactus and, and when they're reunified they don't work because of the Living Tribunal's judgment and then he needs Galactus to go wake up Eternity. That's really the entire core of his plan right? Yeah. And he says that he says multiple times like Adam Warlock and Thanos and like Thanos is the one who's going to like convince Adam Warlock to do this and like deliver it to him he he needs Adam Warlock and Thanos to get the gems. He needs Galactus to, like, let the Living Tribunal 
make the gems active again. And he's like, those are, you know, my king, queen, and those are the important pieces on the chessboard. Everyone else is pawns. And then he says straight out, all the rest is just to be a confusing mess to keep everyone distracted. <laughs> everything with Earth, everything with the Avengers and Alpha Flight and New Warriors and all that stuff, Avengers West Coast, he literally just says is like, all that's just to like kind of keep people distracted and, you know, uh, to because it's, it's a big mess that doesn't actually have anything to do with my larger plan. And like, to me, it largely seems like he's also just saying that's what's happening in comic as well as like plot wise, yeah. right? That, Which is like, that both, is... Uh, it's kind of an, it's both interesting as the Stalin being self, uh, like knowing uh, what he's doing, um, but mm-hmm. it's also like kind of an admission of defeat. Uh, in a yeah, way, because like, because the event is still that still makes the event actually messy. Um, I think, mm-hmm. and it's it does suffer from it. So just because he realizes what's going on, it's I think it's still a a problem with the event. Oh, it's totally. I mean, you know, two two lines does not. Uh, yeah, you know, like justify all this stuff. No, I mean, yeah. it's a little bit like the Deadpool movie. You know, winking at like, uh, you know, like. Oh, fridging. Uh, it's, you know, when a female character is cast aside, like, unfortunately, like we did to a Vanessa. And it's like, well, just because you're saying, like, you're self-aware of it does not, like, <laughs> you yeah. know, excuse the, the movie, <laughs> right? Like, that kind of, like, meta, meta-joking does not, you know, actually, like, it, that, that is a, a very kind of obnoxious, in, in like, maybe indulgent trap I, it, to fall into, which is, like, oh, man, I, I can see this is, like, falling off the rails for me, so maybe if I have the characters, like, wink at the audience and be like, man, this sure didn't work, did it? You know, like, that maybe they'll give me a little more grace, yeah. and I'm always just kind of annoyed with that. Although, to be fair, who knows how much of this was him, and who knows how much of this is, like, that he yeah, has that, to slot this event into this wide world. That's what that's what I was going to say, is that I, I don't put the blame fully, or I, I don't really blame, put the blame on, I mean, I don't put the blame on anyone, but <clears throat> yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. it's I mean, uh, really fully Jim Stalin's fault, I mean, that the, the event, uh, that these parts of the events doesn't really work. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it ultimately doesn't matter to me, right? Like, I'm, I'm here to talk about kind of the event more than, like, you know, who, Jim Stalin being responsible or whatever, right? Like, I critique it on its own without finding it exactly like who put their hands into it but that you know that can be interesting context sometimes um so so ultimately that means that this does feel you know as someone who like jim starlin might be my favorite marvel creator you know like he's he's definitely top three for me and it's just like like i said like his work is just this magical thing that i don't i feel like we never see in uh, in marvel comics this yeah. does feel like a compromised piece of art to me because of that and it feels like with uh, you know, editing out 40 to 50% of this, that this would be like greatly benefit from just cutting out enormous swaths of this, because the core of this, I still think is okay. Even if I actually still do think it is somewhat a retread. Yeah. Of what we just saw. But I, I think, I think that's kind of why we're infinity watch, infinity watch, uh, almost works better because it, mm-hmm. I probably got less, uh, editorial inputs to, to have totally. it, uh, tie into other character story and so it's it's more Stalin is more able to do his own thing and tell the stories he wants to tell in those comics and <clears throat> I think the story he really wants to tell is about specifically Adam and Thanos and mm-hmm. Magus but Magus as a part of, Than- of Thanos because so the way the way Magus is back is because um, when uh, Warlock got the Infinity Gauntlet at the end of Infinity Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. He, I think, subconsciously divided himself 
to expose his good parts and his evil parts, and so his mm-hmm. evil parts became the magus, magus. Yeah, yeah magus. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and I think that's that's the story. That's the story Stein wants to tell. Kind of, there's a theme of divided identity, I guess. Where you see it with the doppelgangers, and so mm-hmm. Thanos has a doppelganger in this, which yeah. is the the main servant of the Magus. And whereas most doppelgangers are, are horror, like like you said, Cthulhu-esque um, versions of the characters. Thanos's doppelganger is just exactly the same as Thanos. He yeah, there's no point. difference yeah. whatsoever. And I think that's interesting because that's that is because Thanos is he 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 is absolutely fine with who he is. Like he doesn't have any self doubt about what he's doing or who he is. Yeah, sure. I, I mean something I, I remember saying at the end of Infinity Gauntlet was that like yeah. some the, the scary note that that ended on was Thanos being like finding peace within himself about who he is and self-actualizing. Yeah. Right? Like and I was like you know, it sets up the scary, the terrifying future where Thanos you know, like looks inward and sees, you know, what what like what drives him and what like flaws he has, right? This like he has this subconscious idea that he's actually not worthy of this power. And so he yeah. like sabotages himself. It's something that like Starlin's played with quite a bit. And you know, now we're at the point where Thanos is aware of this and saying like, well, I don't want this power. Like it's not, it's not for me and it's not something that I desire really anymore. And like, you know, it, it is like an interesting quest. So like, you're right. Like it is, it's someone with, who's just totally like they are who they are and their own moral system is like, that they just have their, he has such a sense of his own very specific morality that like, you know, he would say is like beyond good and evil. It just, it is right. Like it's just, yeah. For him, it's like perfectly and, logical, and I think maybe that's where we can talk quickly about the Marvel Comics Presents issues, because in mm-hmm. those he is confronted yeah. uh, once again with Mistress Death, which was yeah. the person, the entity, I guess, uh, for for whom he was doing everything he did in Infinity Gauntlet, and then sh- she gives him the opportunity to come back into her good graces and get everything he ever wanted from her and with her, and but what she asks him to do is to kill Adam Warlock. And yep. when he he comes back to reality, I guess, when he, he gets the occasion of killing him, he has this whole uh, inner monologue that lasts maybe three pages, I think, something like that. I mean, it's, it's yeah. quite long, um, where he he considers killing Adam and he considers that, in, uh, like, where was I dreaming Mrs. Death? Is she really, is she really offering this to me? Is it, is it a lie? And in the end, he I decides to I mean, even beyond that, it's Adam. like, is this something I want anymore? Right? Yeah. Like, I, I, am I just like, is this something I'm just saying like, yes, I want it because I'm, you know, just instinctively saying like, oh, well, I always used to want that and now it's right within my reach. So like yeah. I could just have it with a press of a button and he just decides like, no, you know, like I'm not that person anymore. Like it is not, it probably is not what I actually want. And, you know, like that, that my priority priorities have changed, right? Like he's decided like he is part of it. It's so interesting. It's like, it's not a hero turn. For Thanos, but it definitely no. is a turn away no, no, no. from like his pure villainy, where he's just like, I am part of the universe now, right? Like I, I, I death has rejected me. I am <clears throat> now like looking to embrace life, and that means that I am embracing, you know, being a a uh, a member of the universal community. Yeah. Um, 
it's really interesting stuff. Yeah, those those four issues are definitely worth checking out for that. Like, Death finally speaks to him for the first time. Yeah. And uh, the, the art here, Sean McManus, I love it so much. He makes Thanos look so silly. It's so <laughs> much fun. Thanos looks like such a goofball here. And uh, it's really good. I hadn't heard of this guy, but I guess I've actually read a bunch. He did a bunch of, like, latter-day... Um, Fables for Vertigo. He did like the oh, Cinderella okay. spinoff. He did a bunch of the Fairest spinoff of Fables. So um, he's done a bunch of stuff. Uh, he's, he's, I really like that that art. But um, yeah, uh, yeah. Those are the, thank you for bringing that up. Those that's a really good place to slot those in. Um, speaking of um, divided identity, like what we said about Thanos, and it is also with uh, with Adam and and Magus. And then I, at the <laughs> end, it's teased that the the good side of Adam is going to be the next villain in uh, in, in Infinity Crusade. And yeah. um, I, I, I can't remember if they say that in Infinity War. Or in they Water do. Red, it's a, it's at it's... the very end because it's like no, someone... Oh, well, I didn't read anything no. more. so And I, I recognize yeah. what you're saying. So because so they show that the Magus is, is a male presenting. He uses he, him pronouns. Uh, and then the, visually, we see that the f- good side of Adam seems to be, uh, like, has a feminine figure, I guess, whatever yeah, that means. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, but I, I don't know if they say it for sure here or if it's next, that the, the Magus represents Adam's evil side and his masculine side. And then the the goddess, which is the his good version, represents his good side, his mm-hmm. his good side and his feminine side. Yeah. And I don't know if they talk about that in Infinity War, so I don't want to too much uh, bring that up. But uh, they, they don't I, they don't mention it very much. But like it, you, yeah. it, it is you you can read that into it because there's a panel that's saying like literally like he expelled his bad side and his good side, and you see like you know a masculine side you know, which is the magus and a feminine side, which yeah. is the god. We didn't hear the name of the goddess, but, um, you know, and it's clearly supposed to be like this, uh, you know, this golden woman or whatever is his, uh, his good side. Um, he, and, he, and- he doesn't really get into like the gender stuff about, you know, like if, if there is something there about like masculinity is, you know, the evil side and femininity is the good side. Cause no, yeah, I, that's uh, I, I don't think Stalin really has a lot. He wants to say about that. Uh, I don't think that's uh, good. Cause that's kind mind. of a boring, but, it's kind of a but that's something. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But that's something I was uh, thinking. Reading is that um, the all or most um, cosmic uh, entities and figures in in those comics, like Eternity, um, uh, Galactus, uh, Eon, Epoch, are mostly depicted as being male and having him because we used they them to talk about uh, Living Tribunal earlier. But I think. Yeah, I think they uses they use uh, he him pronouns in uh, in the comic. And I think uh-huh. that's something that's uh, always a bit weird to me that um, the these uh, physical um, incarnations of cosmic ideas yeah. are yeah. have genders and gender identities. I mean, it, it's a um, little bit like I mean, even even within like evangelical Christianity, right? Like if if you pinned you know mo- most Christians against the wall and were like, is God a man? They would be like, well, no, like, but he's not yeah. a woman either, right? Like he's, you know, but they still, you know, I, I think it is just kind of a baked in, you know, patriarchal way of uh, seeing things where, you know, like it, it is probably beyond gender, right? Like gender is beside the point of these beings, but so, you know, so most people just automatically defer to male, right? Because that's kind of... Yeah, and like I, I wasn't expecting a, a, an early 90s comics to use they, them, or neo-pronouns uh, to, to talk about, to like, to, to for, for these uh, characters. 
Um, yeah. But I, like that's something that uh, I uh, often think about reading uh, this kind of comics. And like there's also the um, uh, a full. I think it's a spread, uh, a spread splash page uh, where you see eternity and infinity divided in the middle. Where the eternity is depicted as being most, uh, male and infinity as being female, and they're yeah. cut uh, in half, and eternity says that um, they're two sides of the main two sides of the main coin, and they're kind of the same person, and I, like that. That's something that's uh, I find interesting, like the I guess the gender identities of um, like if uh, if writers. I had to guess if, if I had to guess, I think it's probably like. Yeah, my my best guess would be that it's a little just like I want a fem- feminine design for this one. I, I think it is. Yeah, I, I bet I like my idea is that it doesn't particularly go farther than kind of just I, I wouldn't even say gimmicky, but just literally like randomness and just like, oh, well, you know, we're going to make death a woman. We're going to make uh, eternity a man. We'll make infinity a female, a female, right? Like, et cetera, like living tribunals a little bit more like I guess they look masculine, but you know they're not exactly gendered right like i i think it's yeah. mostly just design based more than any kind of like you know maybe that gets expanded upon later the the thing with like that i wouldn't want to see is him talking about the like you know uh men personification evil is male and the personification no, of yeah. good is female because that that is something you see and it's i think it's a very like boring and misguided point which is like which is it's hearts in the right place i think which is to be like you know someone who like especially a man who like recognizes that there's a patriarchy and that like women are discriminated against throughout history right there's this clear like line of discrimination and that like men are the ones who hold like most of the cards and most of the power and are the most destructive in you know pollution and war and assault and etc right down the line right but then mistaking that for some kind of like intrinsic biological quality rather than you know like a societal construct right i i think like just being like i like feminists you know some some older feminists i think fall for this sometimes too which is like just falling into like women are the peacekeepers and it's like yes in like specific contexts you know that that might be true historically but i don't like i i kind of buck the idea that that is um you know this like innate thing you know that like women are more naturally like calm and peaceful yeah. and loving and men are more and, aggressive and you know uh, assaultive and stuff because i think that cuts both ways right i think that's a trap yeah, and, for men and a and a, a cage for women <laughs> right and i i don't think at all that's that's that is what stalin is trying to do with that's uh, not with here the... I, I'm, I'm curious to see if that comes <clears throat> no, no, up yeah. in crusade but i yeah. guess what was uh, most interesting to me about that is um it's just the idea of a, a, a 90s marvel comics uh talking about a male character having a feminine side and that sure, feminine side yeah, being okay. a, a whole f- like basically a woman uh, mm-hmm. when yeah. she she gets divided so i i just thought that was a, an interesting t- an interesting thing to see in uh, in that comics from 30 years ago but yeah i don't i don't think he has much to say about it and i don't think he he's really he really intends to have a message about uh, the about g- gender in those uh, in those characters, but yeah, that's we'll, just we'll something I, I mean, you I know, like there, there's a, a there's a fair amount of like I mean, like I th- I don't know much, but like like you said, they're clearly setting up the goddess to be like the uh, a main yeah. character in the next event. So you know, well, we'll see we'll see in the next time what uh, what she turns out to be. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very interested. Um, let's see what else is here to talk about. I I so you you actually kind of mentioned not liking Doom and Kang and thinking they could be cut out. Like 
they weren't here. They, they were probably here a little too much, but overall, and they didn't add anything. Ultimately, they showed up, they, you know, they started blasting, and then, like, got taken out, and they didn't actually, like, impact the story in any great way. But they did have, like, I like the moment where Doom, Doom comes out and, uh, subdues Magus and Adam Warlock, who's just like, well, I don't know these guys, so I'm gonna fight them, even though they're, yeah. like, fighting my enemy. <laughs> um, but he subdues the Magus, and the Magus is... gets uh, the gauntlets. Y- y- like, it sets it up that the Magus is handing over the Infinity Gauntlet, and in that exact moment is when... Galactus is like reactivating the gauntlet, and uh, and it is a fun moment of dis- suspense. Like I, I think that works. And uh, yeah, I think I think that moment works. I don't know. I, I mean, to me, what would have been interesting is putting Kang and Doom in the same group as the heroes, and I think that would make that side of the story more interesting. Because, like for example, uh, at the in the sec- first issue, I think there's a yeah. scene in which um, Mr. Fantastic has been replaced by his doppelganger, and this doppelganger is assembling all of the Marvel characters, uh, all of the Marvel heroes in the mm-hmm. Baxter building, or uh, I think it's uh, for Freedom Plaza at that time. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> Wolverine and Daredevil are the ones who sniff out that uh, he's not the actual Reed. And I think that would have been a really, really fun scene to see if that was Doom instead. That was mm-hmm. uh, that uh, snuffed out the the fake uh, read and fought the the f- uh, the fake read and won. I think that that would have been a, a maybe a more interesting place. Uh, for him. That, that mean, is a fun scene. Me. I I like yeah. that scene, and I think that scene is like engaging on its own. It's one of the few like big crowd scenes that works because there's like a really clear story being told within it. Because like most of the rest of the crowd, like we we get a lot of these like fifteen versus fifteen fights where I'm just like. A page in, I'm already like, I have no idea. Like, I could not yeah. draw the lines of like who's fighting he- who here, right? And like, and it's a, a lot of it is an excuse to have big splash pages with you know like full of heroes, which you know what? Like, I'm really bored of. Like, I'm very bored of the like the the kind of basic like here's you know like we have a ton of heroes here and let's do one big page because there's no story being told except like they're all fighting. Like, you don't feel I I, I at least don't feel anything with these. And I love a big splash page, but it's like. Or I, I can love a big splash page if it's, you know, visually really interesting or something. But a lot of these are like, Ron Lim knows how to draw a bunch of superheroes and he's good at like laying yeah. it out. So here's just a big poster of them. Um, as opposed to like Ron Lim in Thanos Quest doing that thing when Thanos finally gets the gems and he does six splash pages in the row of this really like fun psychedelic art visualizing each of the gems and what power, you know, it like represents that Thanos now holds. Because um, that is like push you know it's artful and it's pushing the story forward um there were there were a lot of splash pages here that i kind of just was like all right this is this this feels like you know you're, you're, you 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 got to feed the uh got to feed the dogs here right like yeah and, and i think that's also that's a consequence of cuz the most of the heroes are not actual characters in here they're just extras so for example there's mm-hmm. a scene in which uh, the infinity watch is fighting uh, the the heroes and uh, yeah. they could uh, as well be fighting the doppelgangers or just a random faceless army. I literally d- no idea. Like, sometimes I just, I'm like, wait, are they fighting doppelgangers or are they fighting each yeah. other for some reason? And the thing is, it never matters, right? Like, the outcome doesn't matter because, like May just said, it's all just a distraction to keep you, like, busy while the main story's happening. So, like, yeah, yeah, it totally, like, it has that undercutting it as well, which is, you know, I, I think very frustrating. Um, I will say, oh, hey, uh, Rain Sinclair, what's going on with her skin tone? She's Irish. <laughs> uh, she's she's drawn yeah. here as if um, like she 
she's uh like she's got like it, it, i mean it's that like brown gray that they use like bad coloring for like south american characters it's like a really bad coloring it's really kind of offensive so um, i don't know how much more of uh, peter david's x factor you're going to read uh, for the club but um in in x factor she's uh i mean i'm colorblind but i, I think it's kind of a red brownish color uh, uh-huh. that has, and I, the way they say it is that it's it's fur because she because of the transformation she suffered at the end of uh, ec- extinction agenda I think it was. Yeah. Uh, well, now she, when she transforms, she gets that like kind of reddish pink skin. Yeah. But, but when she's now, just hanging out as rain, it's gray, like yeah, gray but, brown. It's very. But light. that's because she she can't uh, be fully rain because if she transforms back to fully human, she goes mm-hmm. back to the mindless uh, slave that she became in the uh, extinction agenda. So she always has to, has to be halfway to being in her wolf form, and so she has a, a little bit of fur always. But it's yeah, the color. I don't think the coloring. Um, makes that uh, obvious it just no, looks like all. she's darker skinned now <laughs> yeah and like you know offensively the the w- darker yeah, skin in a in the very way weird way bad job of it uh which is especially yeah, see, dave, uh, very dave weird would have offensive. never known that look at that like having another comic book expert who like <laughs> and you know what there's That's no way mostly because i i wrote a the wolf's vein reading order as my second reading order so i remember that one <laughs> okay <laughs> no. oh hey this is a total aside, but we just recorded another My Ultimate Year a couple of days ago. Yeah. And Alpha Flight just shows up in an X-Men issue for the first time. Oh, really? it's like a, Yeah, it's like X-Men 96 or something. It's right at the end of the yeah. series. And every, almost every character in it is different. They're like mixing and matching. Yeah. Sasquatch is actually Rain Sinclair. Oh, really? Okay. But Isn't wait, that wild? So, th- <laughs> so she's the same Rain Sinclair that was like in a circus in a random X-Men issue and then with... Uh... Who knows? At some point they just say to Sasquatch, <laughs> it looks like Sasquatch, they just say to Sasquatch like, Rain, you need to calm down and like turn human again. She's My like, ultimate, fine. And then uh, she just... Oh, the yeah, Ultimate Universe makes uh, some choices with that character. I, I loved why. it because it was like, it didn't matter like the, uh, the Ultimate Alpha Flight is not going to be around for more than like two issues. Yeah, I know. So for them just to like get weird with it i was like i, I was very uh into it. <laughs> yeah check out uh, my ultimate chair but um so ha- did you see shaman's outfit in infinity war not that i noticed i probably just was like i don't know who that guy is he is just dressed in full black tights with the the deepest v you've ever seen oh like it's belly incredible bu- belly button deep <sighs> yeah i think so let me just okay i need that to find pretty, a that sounds pretty good I'll put a, a picture on the Slack for everyone to see because it's incredible. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna look that up. Um, yeah, besides, okay, I, I, I mean, I think more or less that covers it for me. I, I think, um, you know, like I, I, I don't like this as much as Gauntlet. It also, no, not many people do. It, this is generally this and Crusade are generally considered a step down from Gauntlet. I still think there's a lot to, uh, to like here. You know, like I still more or less had a good time with this and was able to like focus on the stuff that matters and that is like starlin that i love and you know and kind of just like glaze blaze through the uh, the stuff that isn't quite you know as uh, as starlin to me yeah, i mean um, i think it's really clear to it's uh, very easy to see what reading it uh, what's the best parts are and it's the parts totally. with the the actual starlin characters like the infinity mm-hmm. watch thanos and uh, adam Warlock. Um, and I think the best way to read it is to just skim through the parts with the Marvel heroes, uh, the Earth heroes, and actually read the rest, because that's the best parts. Yeah, 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 I totally uh, totally agree. And, like, um, Infinity Watch is just something I'm going to keep going, because that yeah. felt like distilled Starlin, him, you know, doing free reign to do 
work on the, you know, like, it's not even like I don't like him to work on other characters, but it's, I don't think he's, like, his skills are not in the huge group stuff, right? Like, the the big groups no. of alternate characters, and, like, it's, it is fun when you have, like, Pip the Troll bouncing off of Captain America. Yeah. But not Pip the Patrol bouncing off of all the Avengers. I think it worked better also in Gauntlet when you had uh, have the universe gone, so you have only half of the heroes to take care of, and then during the Thanos battle, you had like maybe ten Earth heroes to he had those characters to focus on, so he he could give them more to to do and actually focus on them as characters than rather than yeah, like, I, I didn't to, even to fight in think the it worked great there. But it worked better than this. Yeah, I think <laughs> he sure. had a, he had a good voice for Doom, for example. He his Thor was fun. Mm-hmm. His Hulk was fun. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Whereas... He, he has, I mean, he has a couple good moments with each of these characters. It's not like a complete wash with any of them. Yeah, uh, but yeah, and you know, like part of it is also in, in the event mode. It, it just feels like he's limited by the the format so much that like something that I love about him is his plotting. Right. And like in taking his time to tell stories, like he really lets things take, you know, like sit and he he moves the story just at the right pace so that like things have weight. And like a moment that I literally like gasped at because I was just so like I was so thrilled by the um, not even the plot moment necessarily, but just the like the storytelling choice of how he conveyed it, which is that uh, Adam Warlock and Moondragon in Infinity Watch number two are talking and he gives her the stone and she says something like um you know like you don't trust us right like you gave the reality gem to somebody else because you don't trust us how do we know that we can trust you and instead of responding the next panel is just them on either side of the page with one long panel and him just giving her a look of just you know like this harsh look of you know like how dare you of course you know like I, i am in charge here and there's no words, and then they just move on from it, and everything's just in that look, and I'm just like, he just uses the entire, the medium of comic books, right? Like, yeah. he's not just being like, here's a story I'm telling, and there's art beside it, right? Like, he's using the actual art to tell the story, and, you know, and of course, that's uh, Angel Men- Mendes, I think, um, as well, but, like, it's, uh, you know, just yeah, really, really <laughs> incredible stuff. Um, and, and a lot of that is lost, I think, in both Infinity Gauntlet and Infinity War, yeah. that kind of, like, really considered... Um, storytelling and, and that's why i highly recommend like while reading infinity war read specifically the, the warlock and infinity watch issues because in yeah. those he he expands on the scenes he doesn't have time to focus on on the in the main events so for example there's a whole issue of the thanos versus thanos fights there's a, a an issue about thanos and gamora there's an issue about uh, i think moon dragon so yeah he he cool. takes the like, time to sounds, those characters that he doesn't so have time to, to do in yeah. infinity war that's exactly what I want is just him like spending an, an entire issue with Gamora and uh, Thanos like working out their their issues right like that's yes, and, and he's that's just exactly so good at it yeah watch. and you know like and making it more than just conversation like he brings big concepts yeah. to it uh, yeah it's so good it's Medina the uh, the artist on Infinity Watch I, I don't know what I said before but I don't think I said Medina no well, right, uh, Infinity I th- Watch because War is Lim it's, it's Ron Lim in Infinity War no I know I, I said Angel or Angel something I said something wrong. Okay. Um, um, so one last thing I wanted to ask you, and it's kind of uh, outside of um, of the the comics, but so Please? the whole Infinity trilogy of Stalin is focused half, basically half on Thanos and half on Adam Warlock. And mm-hmm. so do you? Th- and then we had the Infinity War movie that uh, 
didn't because Adam Warlock isn't in the MCU. Do you think you would have liked to see a version of that of that story in the movies with Warlock? Because I know that he's probably going to be in a Guardian movie or, or something like that. I I don't see how I I'm not sure how that character works outside of those stories. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, the, the thing is, we got a little hint at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy two. Yeah. About um about him that was four years ago and it's going to be another like yeah. two years before we get another guardians movie so like that 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 out of all the little winks that mcu has done that is the one that i'm most saying like they might just sweep that under the rug like maybe um, I, i'm maybe. not I, i'm not holding my breath that that comes back i'd be into it um you know the mcu always finds a interesting way of like integrating this stuff but no i think especially at the time and the way that the mcu was building up then I think having this entire other main character through that would be a mistake. But the thing is, now I think they could do it. Even though we're not that far out of Endgame, I think the MCU has like solidified itself so much in this like last year or two, even with COVID, right? Like it's just, I, I think they've proven that they can do these huge worlds. And with the MCU shows, they can be like, yeah, we're going to have, you know, like branches going off everywhere, right? It's going to be big and expansive and huge crossover events and etc yeah. um i think they're capable of it um i don't know if it would would have been the right idea yeah for that I mean, right like I, and i guess the reason why i'm i'm wondering about uh, how well they can do warlock after they've done infinity war is i have no idea what happens to warlock after the starlin infinity trilogy is over like mm -hmm. I, I don't think he's he's in any big stories or he has any runs of his own that are interesting once uh infinity crazy infinity crazy really is, even like because I, I mean i know that like my vague understanding and you know, no spoilers because i don't know it but like post post this post starlin in the 90s right like we get a big resurgence of cosmic stuff in the late 2000s with like there's a bunch of thanos stuff there's annihilation there's the guardians of the galaxy starts coming yeah. back in but there's tons of thanos stuff specifically with like I think Hickman does some Starlin stuff. Oh, not Starlin but stuff, some I, Thanos stuff. I've read the the Hickman fancy and all that. I, I don't yeah. think Warlock shows up even once. Really? Interesting. I didn't yeah. did not know that. Because, I mean, like, yeah, I know Hickman does shows up. Donnie Cates does a bunch of uh, of cosmic stuff. He's still doing some cosmic stuff. Uh, Al Ewan, maybe, does some of it? I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, Starlin comes back. Starlin comes back in the 2000 and does a bunch more Thanos yeah, stuff. Yeah, he does so. a lot of Thanos uh, stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm really interested in watching his trajectory i the, yeah. the general consensus is that he is he has peaked that like infinity yeah Gauntlet definitely is the peak uh infinity watch was not a step down for me at least the two issues i read so you know I'm, I'm curious to read forward to see if uh you know how this like continues on and to see if that also just kind of starts dwindling the way that you know these events because to me it's just the event format i really like whether or not he's choosing to do it or not and it certainly seems like he is interested in doing these big events whether or not you know like it fits his style um i i just i don't think it's a good match for what he really excels at um yeah so you know when he's still working on solo series i'm i'm just all all for it all right well that is going to do it thank you all so much for listening thank you charlotte for being on another episode yeah, of really appreciate thank it. You for having me on. um if uh if you like charlotte's work you can find her at is it at charlotte fiero or at fiero fiero charlotte, charlotte. fiero charlotte on twitter and uh, I think Charlotte will be back again soon for uh, the next variant cover. I think it might be the last one 
that Dave's not on. Um, we're going to follow up the last one we did where we talked about the X-Men animated series, and we're going to talk about the Spider-Man animated series, which was a favorite of mine when I was a kid. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, so we're going to... Yeah, I am, I am too. I haven't started watching it yet, but we're going to just... Um, like, I found no, a... Me neither. I think it's a, a CBR list. I think it's just the IMDb, like, best-rated episodes, and I'm going to watch, okay, you know, a smatter. I, I have no like, idea how, how long it is, like, how many seasons uh, there were. It's it's not quite as long as X-Men, but I think there's, there's still quite a few episodes there. It okay. runs for... I don't know, 80, 90 episodes, pulling out of thin air. So. Uh, if you want to support the show, head on to patreon.com slash year. Reviews on Apple Podcasts. Music is by Disasterpiece. And you can find me on Twitter at MyMarvelousYear. Um, thanks again for listening, and we will see you next year. See you next year. Mm-hmm.